The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You're listening to Making Life Brighter on the Health and Wellness Channel, where we provide you with the latest information in healing, consciousness training, and all cutting-edge healing modalities, featuring experts in their fields, including authors, musicians, and artists. Making Life Brighter will be a forum for healing, inspiring, and uplifting entertainment. Here is your host, Winifred Adams. Good morning. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and my name is Winifred Adams, and I'm your host. We have... Our special guest today, Frank, who was our guest a few weeks back in, I think, May, when I had another show with Lee. And Frank was the United pilot who had had a recent brain surgery and came back and with shining colors. And I told you I'd have him back. And we have him here today. Welcome, Frank. Well, thank you. Yes, we wanted to talk to Frank regarding our series of wisdom and those that carry wisdom and how we have people in our communities who we who carry quite a bit of information from their lifetime of events that's vastly different than today's world and how quickly our world is changing tells us that we have so much more to pay attention to and one of the things that I keep talking about in the shows regarding our technology and how our brain is functioning and the quicker we go the more difficult it is is that our world is changing very very quickly and you imagine that just 20 years ago there really wasn't the kind of technology that we have today and so go back 40 years ago and it's a completely different ball game now it's quieter it's not as much electromagnetic energy running through our world all sorts of changes that have occurred are very pronounced in our world today. And Frank has a very interesting life that he's led. And I want him to share some of that with us because the comparisons and the contrast of his life compared to today's world is something I think is of great value. And we should look at the value system that people had in the days past and what we're doing today and how to compare those notes and how it's working for us either way. I mean, there's probably good and bad in both scenario, but let's just have this amazing dialogue today because Frank is really somebody that's very, very unique. He's not like anybody else you'd ever meet, and, you know, he has a wonderful history of working very hard, but he has, as we said in the other show, an honor. He carries honor. He carries sort of what I'll call wise elder information. And he has had his struggles of things and things he's had to learn the hard way through life too. But having kind of a an honor system and a regard for others is something that you don't see as much of today. So I'd like to talk about that a little bit. And Frank, tell us a little bit about kind of where you grew up and how you grew up briefly. 
I grew up in uh, Wyoming as uh, a place, and uh, golly, it was um, very easygoing or surrounding. I spent uh, summer times with um, a dairy farm pe uh, people in the out, uh, sort of in the outbacks at that point in time. It was several miles from my house and got in on uh, dairy farm processes, uh, saw gathering um, of the hay to feed them and uh, a, a process of rounding them up and getting them in uh, so that uh, we could get the product of milk. Did you sell it or was it just it was, uh, was it commercial? It was a commercial operation, yes. There were uh, quite a few animals and there were gallons and gallons of milk. And what was so, your family life like? What was it like? I uh, grew up in uh, a, an easterly area of uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming. And my father worked uh, at the railroad for the beginning after he came back from World War One. Then we moved about seven miles to the northwest and closer to the municipal airport where my father went to a new employment now working for Boeing Aircraft Company which is one that was a part of United Airlines when it was formed. And uh, I used to uh, get a, a lunch box made up uh, by our mother and walk it over to the airport, sit outside on the south uh, against the building and uh, there was a sandwich in there for me and bring the, uh, the, the box of uh, food to my father and then uh, I would take it and cart it back home after the lunch hour was over. So... Um, did your mother work? My mother did not work at that time. She was a registered nurse when they married and then she was a homemaker. And there were four of us a early family where the the girl was the first born and a, a boy a year later and I came along ten years later and my brother the fourth one came along five la years later than myself and I always used to walk to school um, it was uh, about three miles and uh, after kindergarten, I started in walking to school, and I always walked to school. Let me ask you something. You know, you walk to the grocery store today. Was there a grocery store like that then, or did you basically have most everything 
grown at home? There was a, a grocery store as well as I remember it. And uh, my mother would call in an order of groceries and they would deliver it. Did you grow your own food? We didn't have a garden of uh, vegetables. Okay. Uh, our, my family life was uh, um, a matter of uh, just managing. Uh, my mother and father were not very um, loving. My mother read an awful lot and uh, enjoyed uh, that part of what uh, she could do as long as she was a homemaker. And my father's principal activity was employment, and he enjoyed uh, rose gardens in in our uh, yard. We had a really neat hedge that surrounded part of the yard that had uh, berries on it that were edible, and uh, that was always a, a, a lot of fun. We had hollyhocks, and uh, we sure had lots and lots and lots of bees that uh, were there. Not so many today, are there? Not so many bees today. Don't miss seeing the bees. We need the bees. Yeah, we need the bees. So uh, that was principally what my folks did, and while they were doing that, there was a vacant yard in the back of our uh, residence and uh, the kids around the neighborhood all got together and dug deep holes. <laughs> deep holes. Yeah. <laughs> and then we figured out how to cover them up and we'd uh, find uh, discarded old rugs that uh, were somewhere, boards somewhere. We'd cover over the holes and make ourselves... Uh, uh, a secret uh, rendezvous. <laughs> like a bunker, huh? <laughs> yeah. Your own fort. Yeah, our own fort. That's fun. Did you have pets? Uh, we had a dog that uh, called Trixie. And uh, she was okay for a while. Got sick, though. Got uh, cancer of some sort. And uh, so we lost her. And we didn't replace her. What What do you notice today that's a principal difference between people now and people then, as you recall? Like, what what's the difference in activities or behaviors or the way people conduct themselves from what you witnessed? Our life was pretty slow, easy. Uh, I can remember... For a period uh, that later on, uh, when I was, say, 12, 13, by that time, um, my uh, father would decide that he would take uh, the automobile and go around town, look at what was uh, occurring. Because uh, there was expansion going on. Uh, they had developed a uh, oil refinery out to the 
southeast of town. And so... Uh, so what do you notice is a difference in conduct with people? Now, uh, what I notice is people are always in a great big hurry. All the roadways, as I witness, are all racetracks. Everybody's going real fast. There's lots and lots of traffic. Besides traffic, about personality types, how do you notice people today? Like versus uh, they the aren't, versus... They aren't uh, at all courteous. Uh, it doesn't seem to me like they're uh, all taking advantage of one another in order to get someplace. That wasn't true when you were growing up? No, everybody was very nice, easy, easy going. My father, uh, for instance, would, since there was a fort uh, in the town of Cheyenne, would go someplace and pick up some of the soldiers and, and give them a ride back to the fort. I don't see, we, we can't uh, dare pick up hitchhikers anymore because of the way that we treat each other. Well, that's really interesting. And In the next segment, we're going to get into some more of Frank's amazing career. And he's flown for United uh, as a captain, and he's done some really spectacular things and even flown some very well-known people, and we'll discover who that is and We'll be right back. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and you can find us on Facebook at Making Life Brighter. You can also find us on Twitter at MLB Radio, <laughs> and you can email me at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. Be with us, and we'll be right back. Making Life Brighter your health and healing resource. With 20 years of successful healing, medical intuitive Winifred Adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being, including a celebrity clientele. An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard-to-solve cases. An official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health. Visit MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by Skype. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually, as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti-aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by Real Transformation Skincare Centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness.
Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. And we're back. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and I'm your host, Winifred Adams. I've got Frank here today, and he is part of a series that I'm doing on how our wise elders are people that we can learn from and the comparison of notes of their lives to modern day life is something that you know we can really take advantage of and take note of and perhaps think about some of the things that we're doing in our life and consider uh, a variety of things. In the last segment Frank talked about a slower pace and how people were more considerate when he was growing up and they helped one another and it sounded to me, Frank, like you were saying that people helped one another without fear. Do you feel, are you more fearful, not because you're older today, but do you feel more fearful than you did at that time in the world? Oh, yes. So we didn't lock the doors on the house. We certainly do now. Whatever uh, residence that you live in, you're likely to be locking the doors. And uh, that's a case of fear in that uh, we sure do have invasions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know of lots of them that have occurred in my surroundings. That's unfortunate, so, really. But it, it is. It's very unfortunate. Didn't experience that when I was a youngster. Well, you know, there are still neighborhoods, and there's more in today's world coming up just now of communal living. People are getting together and sort of creating either off-grid communities, societies that are all sustainable with solar power and other things, and they share. They might have a common living area where they share meals, and then they sort of live in their own houses around that. And that's something that seems to be coming for us. However, I'd like to talk a little bit about how the work force in the work world is different as you view it as well. I mean, I know that technology is changing quickly and everything that we're doing today seems 10 times faster than just even last year. But for example, you you started out well, you didn't start out flying. You ended up flying. Where what did you start out doing? What was your first uh major employment or I uh, <clears throat> I was a shag boy and uh parked uh, automobiles for uh, visitors to uh, the, a hotel in downtown Denver. And then I uh, worked uh, in the garage and uh, was uh, the cleanup person at the same time. Next, uh, I, I took up a an apprenticeship for United Airlines and spent four years in the shops learning how to do different things with and for the airplanes uh, all sorts of things I'm I'm now a person learning what to do and when you get through with your apprenticeship then you're classified as a mechanic yes Mm -hmm. 
and I built things for the airplanes. I helped uh, fasten them to the airplanes. Um, Did you like it? It was a very interesting, very interesting career and lots of opportunity and I got to work in so many shops uh, building different things and installing them and uh, witnessing how the airplanes went together. So it was was very exciting actually. Well that's neat. You know it's not often today that people talk about their employment or a learning experience of employment as such. They talk about employment as a drudgery, as something they have to do, as something they're you know forced to do because of but it's neat to hear that you enjoyed it you liked it oh yes uh it was it was enjoyable i uh looked forward to to being there and doing different things and got assigned uh such a variety of opportunities so it was uh, a, a a good start and uh then later i transferred locations and uh, worked in an auto shop, wood shop, was uh, uh, assigned uh, plant maintenance work, did uh, a variety of uh, maintenance things like air conditioning and in the wintertime uh, I had to f- feed uh, a big old coal stove that mm-hmm. uh, was the present type of heating source for the hangers that we were in. And uh, then I ran the paint shop for a year and painted all of the uh, passenger loading stands, the uh, little uh, tractors that drew around the luggage carts um, was uh, another time that was interesting to me because uh, I hadn't had any painting experience so it was really neat I liked it it was fun and how did you get into flying when uh, in about 1963 the the company needed lots and lots more people while i was in my apprenticeship i joined the flying club and began to learn to fly and i had uh, several hours by that time Um, i kept flying uh, general aviation equipment and uh the company needed pilots, so uh, I put in a a request to to go to the uh, th- that area in uh, flight operations. And then you became a pilot, and, and then eventually a captain. Oh yes. What did you fly? The Boeing seven twenty seven airplane. And where did you fly? What was your route? Generally. I didn't have a, a special route. Uh, everything happened by the month, and it was all uh, decided by where the equipment was needed for the the type of operation that existed at the time. As a, for instance, in the winter time over on the east coast, people wanted to leave there and go to Florida, so uh, a lot more seats 
were uh, uh, utilized there in that area, which changed the kind of opportunities for flying that I had in my own domicile. Did you go overseas at all? Never went overseas, no. Did you wish you did? No, I didn't. That wasn't my kind of operation. I wanted to carry the milk and the mail. <laughs> so, you wanted to get from point A to point B. <laughs> I just, uh, so uh, when I became a captain, uh, although I was so junior you could hardly see me, I didn't have trouble getting a, a uh, an assignment uh, because uh, they had lo lots of short segment work where you were up and down, up and down quite a bit. And that was just the kind of work that I liked. Well, you said that you've flown some famous people. Who were some of those people that you flew? Yes, and I uh, had Glenn Campbell one time uh, go along with us. And uh, when um, Ronald Reagan was a senator, I uh, happened to have the privilege of having him on board uh, several different times. And then later on, somewhere or another, the Tennessee Ernie Ford uh, came along. Uh, That's fell. fun. So you had, you had country singers and uh, future presidents at that time. At that time. <laughs> Famous actors, future presidents, senators, all the above in mm -hmm. one. And what is it that you notice is so different between flying today and flying when you were captain? Well, our... Our humanity has caused us an awful lot of trouble, actually, and uh, it was pretty free in my days. We couldn't let anybody in the cockpit while we were flying, but uh, nowadays, uh, nowadays the difference is, and it's uh, really uh, embarrassing in a way that uh, we've had to fix it so that you you can't get anywhere as close to the cockpit in an airplane because of the different things that have happened uh, over the many years. Uh, people trying to blow up the airplanes. Hijacking started out being one of the things that the crews had to be really cautious of. So. It was a really nice time when I did it, and now it's a difficult time. As a pilot, what could you do differently that they can't do today? I was able to get up and leave the front end and uh, walk the aisles on the way to the buffet to get drinks for the crew up front and speak with different passengers that were on board and it, it was open the cockpit was still locked but uh, and I had a key to get back in but at the same time there wasn't uh, the insert inherent danger that I was faced with as they faced today I'm sure the people appreciated that too and getting to speak with you and ask you questions well, it was a formidable time for me. It was fun. And yes, uh, a lot of people did ask questions. And I was able to spend the time to answer them.
and uh, it was a real honor actually to uh, have everybody on board and and uh, then uh, uh, to back up a little bit when the people boarded I stood by the bo uh, the door and welcomed them on and when we arrived where we were going I stood by the door and uh, said goodbye to them and we'll be right back with more Making Life Brighter Radio and Frank. Stay tuned. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Journey to John of God for healing with your guide, medical intuitive Winifred Adams. Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart-opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit MakingLifeBrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer when you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. See the website for details, www.MakingLifeBrighter.com. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Health and Wellness Channel. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions, comments, or would like to make an appointment with medical intuitive Winifred Adams, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. Now, back to the show with your host, Miss Winifred Adams. And we're back. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio. And today we have special guest Frank, who is part of our Wise Elder series. And Frank is talking about his days as a United Captain and how it was vastly different then than it is today. And so what are some of the things that you did that made you stand out as a, as a captain at that point? Because, you know, you saved United, what, a million dollars in fuel because of the way you were able to fly and the creativity you had. So what are some of the examples of things that you did that maybe they can't even do today? They're pretty restricted today, yes, in comparison, as I understand. I'm not in the field anymore, so I'm not experiencing it directly. But we had a really neat segment that was only an hour long, and uh, there was a six-course meal that was to be served because it was dinner time, and that didn't give the flight attendants really much time 
to to do this. And uh, so, in speaking with them, I arranged for them to know that once we were at the acceptable altitude of just a little over ten thousand feet, uh, mean sea level, why they could get up and. They didn't think they could get the cart out because the aisle was going to be too steep. I told them that we wouldn't keep the aisle steep so that they could serve because the hour was not going to be any too long for them to get this whole thing done. And uh, um, for them to come and uh, speak to us and, and tell us whether or not things were going to go were going as they needed it. Uh, They were fearful of turbulence. Uh, I I guaranteed them that we would keep it smooth. And there was ways to do that. So um, it all worked out very well. We didn't go as high as uh, the flight plan called for, but that would uh, have made the aisle steep so that they couldn't uh, serve. And we got to the destination on time. They had uh, succeeded in serving everybody and gotten everything picked up so that we could go ahead and sit down at our destination. So it worked out quite well. And it was uh, a real challenge as an airman to be able to figure out how to manage to do it and uh, uh, get have the flight attendants succeed in what it was that they wanted to do also. Now, you've said to me that you've even been on an airplane as a passenger and some of those flight attendants recognized you. Yes. Uh, I don't know whether it was a... Well, and then passenger agents. I've had uh, different ones uh, that I worked with. As I always considered everybody as part of the team. And if you could manage different elements like guaranteeing your connections, why it was always so enjoyable to realize that you were getting to take the people along that had purchased a ticket and they were looking forward to going home. Were you one of those pilots that told people um, what was outside? You know, every now and then they announced, well, you're now crossing the Grand Canyon or something. I carried on a uh, geographical diatribe (laughs) all the time. (laughs) Yeah. I was on the public address system just quite a bit and telling them where, what cities we were going by, what altitude we were at, uh, what the conditions were, where we were going to go buy something, and that uh, we'd be sure to show them and call it to their attention. What was your favorite part of this career? Just that uh, to uh, interact with the flying public was uh, such a joy that I hadn't realized that would be an element that I first that well as I first was a pilot I I didn't see it but later it became such a 
enjoyable part of the uh, the whole experience. One experience that I had that was really neat was uh, departing from Denver to go west and gave an opportunity uh, to use the public address system and speak about Central City and Black Hawk which were famous at one time old gold mining experiences and uh, passed over the divide west of Denver alongside of uh, James Peak and uh, the flight attendant was coming forward to speak with us. Now one of the lady passengers asked uh, this particular flight attendant to look out the window and uh, tell her what it was that they were seeing or she was seeing because we were going by James Peak and uh, uh, the the flight attendant said well that's the the pine trees on the side of the mountain that you're looking at the lady said oh my goodness I've never been close enough to see them before. <laughs> that must have been close. Is that was that legal? Could you do that? Oh yes, I I never did anything that wasn't a, a part of the uh, federal air regulations. Uh, it wasn't anything that was not supposed to happen. But maybe the rules weren't as strict back then, because I don't think I've ever seen pine needles up close. Well. Um, Individuals didn't do what I did when it comes to that because uh, my uh, departure processes were such that uh, they they are dictatorial uh, in comparison today. They are uh, the airplanes are forced to go into a, a rapid climb to altitude and then stay there and uh, that some of the trips that I've been on uh, they the, they just fly through the turbulence and I, I didn't do that I didn't like to have a rough ride and so uh, I did everything I could figure out to do to avoid anything but a smooth ride now you must have flown privately too you must have had some fun because it sounds like you were creative commercially. Were you creative privately? Did you fly for fun? I just flew for fun. I just flew to go uh, short segments. Um, I did sort of bush operations with one little airplane I had. I would land on the highways um, out in the dirt roads in the back um, country stop into somebody's farm and uh, go in and uh, talk with them and have some popcorn and um, <laughs> just show up in the airplane <laughs> yeah just just show up well somebody I somebody I knew all right but uh, I'd land in their pasture and so I did those things a lot of fun I had a lot of fun what kind of airplanes have you flown well, I started out in a little bitty Luscombe, and I flew several different models of Pipers, um, several different Cessna airplanes, 
a um, World War II uh, uh, pilot trainer airplane that's uh, referred to as a T-6, meaning T meant trainer. And um, it was a complex airplane that uh, you had to do a lot of things in. It had retractable gear, a controllable propeller, flaps, all sorts of extra elements that uh, took attention and use. And uh, then then I transitioned to airliners and I flew a, a DC-7 in school, uh, which is a Douglas airplane, four engines with propellers. Then I went to the line and uh, we'd we didn't have the DC-7 on the line anymore. Had DC-6s. DC meant Douglas Aircraft. And uh, operated out of uh, Chicago for six months. Transitioned to the 727. Went to San Francisco to operate out of there as a second officer for six months. And finally got back to Denver where I stayed for the rest of my career. Yes, I've <clears throat> owned and operated several different kinds of airplanes and uh, rebuilt, or built them and rebuilt them as well. And one of them was a, a tandem model Luscombe, an 8F that uh, I... Uh, managed a supplemental type certificate for installed a 160 horse engine by removing the 90 horse continental engine and uh, made quite a uh, significant change in operational capacity and so I uh, had that and uh, I'm ready now to uh, see if somebody in the world would be anxious to have such an airplane I'm ready to put it up for sale Aww. have somebody else own it does that make you sad or are you happy about that oh I'm uh, somewhat sad in a way uh, not real sad I had a lot of I had a lot of fairly favorable experiences with it and I'd be real happy to pass it on to somebody that could have as much joy with it as I've had. Well, on that note, if you're in the market for a Luscombe, uh, there's one for sale with Frank. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio. More with Frank in just a minute. How is your health? Do you want to know more about it? Every day there are new technologies, procedures, and healing techniques coming forward. To understand them, tune in to Speaking of Health with Dr. Michael Cudlis. Our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing. We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Making Life Brighter your health and healing resource. With 20 years of successful healing, medical intuitive Winifred Adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being, including a celebrity clientele. 
An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard-to-solve cases. An official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health. Visit MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by Skype. Journey to John of God for healing with your guide, medical intuitive Winifred Adams. Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart-opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit MakingLifeBrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer when you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. See the website for details, www.MakingLifeBrighter.com. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. We're back, and you're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and I'm your host, Winifred Adams, and today we have Frank, who is part of our Wise Elder series, and I'll be speaking with people ongoing about the things that they've learned in life. So, Frank, tell us a little bit about what you've come to recognize as a lesson for you or learning that you've acquired. What I've observed is the fact that, uh, as I believe, that uh, males versus females or in comparison to females females uh, in my estimation have had what what I believe all young individuals should get and that's uh, encouragement to be a caregiver so males are born principally I believe to be warriors and it really limits and narrows our ability to develop along any line, any ex, uh, additional lines, like a female. In in the way I observe, being a caregiver just opens up a person's world to so many other things. It, it allows the freedom to expand. And developing along a narrow line as a male with the offset of being a a warrior at some time in life uh, just restricts us in our development. And no wonder that we discover that the females mature several years before the males do because we just simply aren't expanding in our connection with society and with the world as females are. So it's uh, very restricting in my estimation. How did you interact with your own wife? I mean, how how did you, as you're alluding to the fact that you were restricted, so how did that work for you? When uh, 
we moved into a residence, the kind of conduct that uh, normally was experienced with all of the ladies in the neighborhood would come by and welcome the new lady in the neighborhood. Uh, But the process of finding out about this new lady was they would ask, what does your husband do? (laughs) And so then the wife was identified by what the husband did. And so instead of being herself and her own name, she was uh, Mrs. With the yes. last, mm-hmm. with the last name that was used, and uh, uh, and then she, she, that's the only identification she had, which wasn't her, and it uh, s- sort of put her on the outside. But all of the ladies were the same thing; they all did that in that era, so. Each one of the other ladies was Mrs. So-and-so and Mrs. Such-and-such and what have you, which uh, is very demeaning in my estimation. Do you see that different today? I'm really sorry to say that I still witness so much discrimination for the females today. And uh, it's disturbing. Uh, and that's primarily what I notice that's uh, in in comparison to when uh, my wife got addressed as Mrs. So-and-so instead of her own self. So what have you witnessed that's different again now than it was before? Well, especially in the athletic surroundings, I do see the team members Complement one another for their uh, basket they make or the touchdown that happens or uh, different things in the athletic surrounding, which never, ever happened in my day. Is that because it would be something where you don't go and you don't hug each other, you don't congratulate each other? Is it just distance? Oh, oh yes, quite, you know, very distant, yeah. Um, Did you get hugged a lot when you were young? Never. Did you want to hug other people? I didn't know what that was about. And so I didn't learn that that was something that you might do even. It was never anything that ever came up. And in my estimation, is part of your narrow thinking that comes along with when you're born and to become a warrior. Yeah, the lots and lots of things are just not that way. Well, you've been meditating for years now, and I bet you never thought you'd be doing that. I didn't know what that was even. It's uh, been uh, a, a great avenue. And what does it do for you? Because you can meditate well for hours. So, what is it that? It, how does it serve you? It it gives me the hopeful insight uh, to. A better life. What's it make you feel like when you meditate? Yes, I'm more relaxed. I'm uh, more energized. I'm closer to my spirit. I believe I'm more loving. I uh, slow down. I believe I do. 
I believe I'm more considerate of other people. So meditation does really uh, benefit me along several lines. It's not as common for your generation of people to take that up, but um, it's something that you've taken up and you find benefit in. So since meditation makes your uh, world sweeter, I ask someone a question every time they come on the show, and that is, what makes your life brighter? Just uh, to think that our world is going to, again, include the individual, and that individuals will be kinder to one another, have an opportunity to really know the, the the human being again instead of such a materialistic world. Do you feel it's it was a materialistic world when you were growing up? No, it wasn't a materialistic world when I was growing up. And how do you see that as the case today? Like what makes it a materialistic world for you today? I just observe that um, we're uh, a me, me, me sit uh, society, and uh, we're all going somewhere that uh, we don't necessarily know where we're going, but we're in a hurry to get there. And uh, we've got to have a lot of things to show our neighbors that we're successful. So we got lots of cars and lots of toys and, and those kinds of things that were never part of my youth. Well, this was a really beautiful gift for us today for you to come and speak with us. Thank you so much for coming. This has been a real treat, and I'd love to speak to you more. Maybe you'll come back again, and I'd love to have you back. I think words of wisdom are necessary for us, and the comparison of those that came before us, whether it's professional or personal, is an element that we can address and pull into our lives for consideration and contemplation even. So I hope this was inspiring to you all. I just think that we can use so much more of this kind of conversation and dialogue and respect for people that have a great attitude about their life and their work. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Making Life Brighter on the Health and Wellness Channel. Be sure to join us each week at 10 a.m. for information, inspiration, and education with leading experts in healing and consciousness. For more information and a complete show schedule, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, successfully helping you feel better from the inside out. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.